Welcome to Storytime with Bron. I'm your host, Bron Rauk Mitchell. Come, sit with me under the story tree as I weave a tale or two for you. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Story Weaver's Realm. I'm your host, Bron Rauk Mitchell, aka the Story Weaver, and I am back with the 13 days of Christmas celebration. You may have noticed a slight absence over the last few days as I have been dealing with some health issues, but I'm okay now and so I shall continue forward with the 13 days of Christmas, making up for lost time when I can. And at the end of it, there will be the competition to give away copies of Adam Wallace's Ninja Inspiration. For tonight, we will continue on with the life story of Santa Claus. Marsden ate wordlessly, looking at Nicholas from under his wild eyebrows. The boy went on with his work, bundling up the crumpled bed clothing and throwing it over a line in the yard to air. Marsden finished his breakfast and finally spoke. You'll find some oats in that corner cupboard, he said. We might have some porridge tomorrow morning. Nicholas nodded. Now stop all that woman's work and let's get on with making that chest. I've promised it for next Wednesday morning, and even if that silly Enid Smith is a fool enough to get married, we must deliver our work when it is promised. After that morning, Marsden was careful to shake out his bed linen and to clean up the dishes after his breakfast. And so the cottage gradually came to look like a home and more like the other cottages in the village. One night, as Marsden sat in his chair in front of the fire, silently smoking his long pipe, he noticed that Nicholas was still bent over the workbench. Here, lad, he said, almost kindly in his gruff voice. I'm not such a hard master that I make you work night and day. What's that you're doing? Why don't you go to bed, eh? Nicholas answered hastily. It's just a piece of wood you threw away, master, and I thought if, if I... And I thought of I seriously tripping over my tongue. Nicholas answered hastily, It's just a piece of wood you threw away, Master, and I thought I'd see if I could copy that fine chair you made for Miss Smith. This is a little one, a toy, he ended fearfully. For who knew well that the word toy would mean children to old Marsden? And for some strange reason, just to mention a child in his presence, sent him into a rage. Tonight, however, he contented himself with merely a black look and said, Let me see it. Hmm, not bad. But you have the scroll on the back bigger on one side than the other. Here, give me the knife. Nicholas hurried over to where Marsden sat, gave him the knife and watched admiringly as the old woodcarver cleverly corrected the mistake. There, Marsden said finally, holding his work away from him, that's the way it should be done. Then instead of handing the little chair to Nicholas, who stood beside him waiting, he continued holding it in his hands, while a bitter and yet sad expression came into his fierce old eyes, and a smile. Nicholas blinked and looked again. Yes, a real smile was tugging at the corners of that stone mouth that had been turned down for so many years. It's a long time since I made such small toys, he muttered half to himself. I made plenty years and years ago when they were little. 
Nicholas ventured a timid question. When who were little master? The corner of Marsden's mouth went down again. His eyes turned fierce and angry once more. My sons, he roared. I once had two sons, and when they were as big as you, they ran away to sea and left me all alone, left me to grow old and crabby. So the children of the village called me Mad Marsden. Children, bah! Do you wonder why I won't have them around the house? Do you wonder why I can't stand their little voices around here when once... His voice broke and he buried his old head in his hands. Nicholas wasn't afraid of him anymore. He went over to him and put his young hands on the old shoulders. I'll be your son, Master. I won't leave you, he whispered. Marsden lifted his head and looked up at the strong young face with the kind blue eyes. You're a good lad, Nicholas, and, he added almost shyly, for it wasn't easy for a harsh old man to change so quickly, I think I'd like to help you with some of those little things you make. We'll make them together these long winter evenings, eh? Shall we, Nicholas? So you can go around again next Christmas Day in that fine sled of yours. Then you won't leave me alone again, will you, boy? He grasped Nicholas's arm roughly. Then a peaceful expression crept over the lonely old face as the boy answered simply, No, master, I'll stay here with you as long as you want me. So every winter evening there were two heads bent over the workbench, a grey head with thick shaggy hair and the smooth yellow head of the boy. They worked feverishly during the winter before the weeks before Christmas. With the old man helping with the carving, Nicholas was able to add delicate little touches to the toys, which made them far more beautiful than ever before. He painted the little dolls' faces so that their eyes were as blue and their cheeks and lips were as rosy as the little girls would soon hold them in their arms. The little tables and chairs were stained with the same soft colours that Marsden used on his own products. The little boys' sleighs and boats and animals were shiny with bright new paints red and yellow and green. And so two nights before Christmas, everything was finished. A toy for every child in the village was packed in the sled with the steel runners, but Nicholas and the old man were still working at the bench. This time they were desperately trying to finish a chest which had been ordered by a wealthy woman in the next village, 30 kilometers away. She had said that she must have the chest by Christmas day because she was giving it to her daughter as an engagement gift and the party was to be held then. Marston and Nicholas worked feverishly most of the night and the following day, and there still remained a few little touches. And here it was, Christmas Eve. They could finish it in time to be delivered, but Nicholas would have to borrow the neighbour's horse and drive over with the chest on Christmas Day itself, the day on which he always made his tour of the village with his gifts to show the children he had not forgotten them, even though they had not seen much of him over the past year. I'm sorry, Nicholas, said old Marston. I'd go myself, but I'm not as strong as I used to be. And it's an all-day trip. 30 kilometres, then you'll have to wait several hours to rest the horse, and then 30 kilometres back. Remember, the snow was encrusted, so it'll be hard going. Nicholas was sitting on the floor in front of the fire, leaning on his elbows, staring thoughtfully into the fire. If only she could wait, it, wait for it for another day, he said. Or if we'd finished it yesterday, I could have delivered it sooner. Had plenty of time tomorrow. Well, answered his master, we did promise it and it has to be delivered. Now the toys weren't promised. No, but I have always given them, interrupted Nicholas. I was going to say, lads, that they weren't promised for Christmas Day. Now you know that little children go to bed early. Why can't you? 
Oh, yes, I understand, cried Nicholas, leaping to his feet. I'll deliver the gifts tonight, Christmas Eve, after the children have gone to bed. When they wake up tomorrow morning, they'll find them there at their doors. Master, that's a wonderful idea. Why, it's even better than before. I never did like the idea of walking up to a house in broad daylight and hearing people thank me and everything. What time is it? Eleven o'clock. I'll have to hurry. Where did I put my list? Please help me to get out to the shed. Oh, dearie me. Please help me to get out my sled. And so the two rushed around and got their sled out into the yard. Nicholas bundled himself up in his close-fitting hat, shaped like a stocking, his long belted tunic edged with fur, his black leggings and heavy boots pulled on his mittens, and then was off through the snow, dragging the toy-laden sled along behind him. Christmas Eve in the village, a bright winter moon shining in the star-filled sky, glistening white snow banked everywhere on the roads, on the rooftops, on the fences, and in the doorways. The houses were in darkness and all the occupants sleeping. Not a soul stirred in the street except for one figure who stole silently from door to door, leaving a pile of tiny objects at every place he stopped until there was nothing left in the bottom of the sled. It was three o'clock on Christmas morning when Nicholas turned away from the last doorway. His sled now much lighter to pull, but his feet tired from dragging through the heavy snow and happy that it was Christmas morning and he had once more kept his unspoken promise to the children. Hmm. Chapter 5 Nicholas the Toymaker Nicholas did not leave the woodcarver on the Christmas day or on the next one or the next. He stayed on in the little cottage which was now always so bright and clean and a happy home for two happy people. Being with Nicholas, who had such a happy, happy manner, made old Marsden forget his grouch. He cheerfully taught Nicholas all he knew of the difficult trade, so as the boy grew older and stronger, his knowledge and skill in wood carving soon was equal to that of his old master. Marsden bought a horse and a sleigh for the deliveries out of town, and they were also used by Nicholas on Christmas Eve, when he visited the children in the village. Although the little children he had grown up with now had now stopped playing with toys. There were new babies in almost every household each year and they would all expect a little toy on Christmas morning from Nicholas the woodcarver. One bright summer morning Nicholas was sitting on a chair outside in the yard carving away at a half-finished chair leg and whistling cheerfully as he worked. He was now 20 years old, a tall young man, his yellow hair a little darker, but with the same blue eyes, rosy cheeks, and a happy, ready smile. He stopped his work to listen to the birds singing in the trees overhead, and to enjoy the warmth of the sunlight shining down on him. Suddenly, two children ran up the path leading to the cottage door, and they were obviously bursting with news. Nicholas, one of them panted. Nicholas, there are two men in the village who have been asking where old Marsden lives. They're on their way in here now. Do you suppose they are? They said, quiet, said the other boy. Here they are now. Two men, about 10 or 15 years older than Nicholas, were coming slowly up the path. They seemed surprised to see him carving the chair, and one of them spoke. Excuse me, but they told us in the village that we would find Bertram Marsden here. If we have made a mistake. No, answered Nicholas. This is Bertram Marsden's cottage. I am his apprentice. 
I'll call him. He has a nap every afternoon as he's getting rather old. The two men looked at each other, obviously ashamed. Yes, he must be old now. Please don't disturb him as we can come back later. No, here he is now, said Nicholas. Marsden had appeared in the doorway and was looking from one to the other with a puzzled look. One of them stepped forward. Father, he began. Father! Marsden tottered a little and Nicholas put out a steadying arm. Yes, don't you remember us, Father? I'm Henrik and this is Charles. We left you here many years ago, but we finally made our fortunes and are ready to take you home. Take me home? Old Marsden straightened himself. This is my home and you two are strangers to me. No, Father, answered Charles. We really are your two sons. We are sorry we left you alone years ago, but boys are thoughtless and we were looking for adventure and didn't know how much we might be hurting you. If you'll forgive us now. The old man looked at his two sons for a long time. Yes, of course I forgive you. If you had come back a few years ago, I could not have. But now I have found another son. This is Nicholas, who lives with me and does most of my work now. The sons looked at Nicholas, then back at their father again uncertain what to say or do. Finally, Henrik spoke. We just bought a house in the next, next village, Father. Charles and I have a fishing boat there and we're doing well. We want you to come there and live with us so that we can make it up to you for the years we were away and the unhappiness we've caused you. Marsden shook his head. No, my boys, I have my little cottage here and Nicholas helps me with my work. I don't need anything and I couldn't live without working. Charles answered quickly. You could go on working in our village, Father. There's no woodcarver there, and if you insist, there are many people who would give you something to do. We so want to have you with us again. We've been planning all through our travels how and when we come home again, we take care of you and make you forget that we were ever thoughtless boys who'd run away for adventure. And Nicholas here, why he could take over your business in this village. If he's as good as you say, he's young. Why don't you give him a chance, father? None of the arguments seemed to impress the old man, except for the last. Then he listened intently and paused a while before he replied. Yes, he said slowly. Nicholas deserves something like this. He's a bright lad and could do it easily. He's been so... Nicholas interrupted. Don't think of me, master. If you don't want to go with them, we'll go on living here together just the same as before. I don't want to take your business. There, lad, said Marsden, laying a hand on Nicholas's shoulder. I don't want to leave you either. But you're young and you should be given a chance. Besides, he paused and looked at the two tall men standing in front of him, as anxious and nervous as young boys, their eyes pleading silently with their father. Besides, these are my sons and I think they need me as much as I need them. Henrik and Charles rushed to their father's side. Father, does it mean you will? Marsden nodded his head, grown almost white in the last few years. Yes, I'll move to the next village with you, my sons, and I'll leave this cottage and my tools with my other son, Nicholas, whom I also love. He put a loving hand on Nicholas's shoulder, and then the four of them went into the house to discuss how and when the move would be made. A week later, Nicholas was the owner of a two-room cottage perfect set of woodcarver's tools and a well-established business which could keep him house, clad and 
which would keep him housed, fed and clothed for life. At first he was lonely in the little cottage after Marsden had left with his sons, but soon became so involved in his work that he had no time to be lonely. Then also there was always a child or two chattering to him or playing with the toys on the cottage floor. Nicholas divided his day so that he spent only part of his time on the orders he received, and the rest of the day and most of the evenings were spent working on toys for the next Christmas. For now we had such a long list of children, it took months to complete the gifts he had to make. He continued the practice started the year he had to deliver the chest on Christmas Day, of making his rounds on Christmas Eve. One year he was surprised and touched to see that the children had hung on their doors little embroidered bags filled with oats for his horse. So now, instead of leaving the toils pop Really? One year he was surprised and touched to see that the children had hung on their doors little embroidered bags filled with oats for his horse. So now, instead of leaving the toys piled up in the doorways, he put them in the bags after he had fed the oats to his horse. So it was a busy, happy existence that Nicholas led in the little cottage on the outskirts of the village. And as he grew older, the sound of the children's voices playing became dearer and dearer to him. And the children in their turn loved to be near the tall, kind man with a light-coloured beard whom everybody called Nicholas the Woodcarver. And I will leave the life story of Santa Claus there, and I will be back hopefully sooner than last time. This has been The Story Weaver, and you are welcome any time at The Story Weaver's Realm.